0: Zach video here from Boston Speaks Up. And I'm here with Timmy Dio Kayode. Yep. I said that right? Yep. Perfect. Nice. Um, Timmy, it's it's really good to have you here. Yeah, same here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for joining Boston Speaks Up. Of course. Um, it's it was interesting. I I discovered you through Boston Speaks Up's. Media partner, Boston. Oh, I read Lucy Maffei's story about you going to Austin Mm -hmm. in the student startup madness competition. Yeah. Which you have since won. Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. Well, Exciting stuff. Well, what was that like? What was the what was the competition like in Austin?
1: Um, so I think it, it, for me it was like this culmination of like a m- couple of months of applying because I, I think the process started in August and there were like two hundred ish companies that all applied online and then they cut it out to sixty four and I got an email saying, "Hey, you're in the top 64. I was like, "Okay, we're making some progress." And then the same happened uh, for the top thirty two, and then I got a call from like the person who runs the program who. Just like had these rapid fire questions. And like I, before I could barely answer, he'd like fire back again. I was like, What is going on here?" And apparently he that was his way of seeing how I reacted under pressure. Yeah. Um, and then a couple weeks after, I got offered a spot in the Entrepreneur Eight and then flew down to Austin early March to go compete. And I think going there, I went with this sense of being there was already a win for me but I also felt super confident in what we were building. And I I sort of had this permission that, yes, this is a competition, but I'm fairly confident that winning is probably what's gonna come out of it. Um, Because I think what's important about what we're working on is fine. there's value to be added to companies, right? but it's also the timing, right? And that's sort of what really, I think, um, set us up for success at the event. It's that there were other great companies but I think our timing, uh, in terms of what we're working on, we had the best timing, right? Yeah. It's like right now is when employee engagement is a really big issue. Right now is when everyone's talking about how to diversify their their employee base. Right now is when everyone's talking about how to keep their employees um, at work happy. And right now is when we're building work sets. Yeah. Right? And so it's like the topic that's at the top of everyone's mind. And we presented this very innovative solution saying, hey, this is how everyone's been doing it for decades. Right. Surveys have been a thing in the workplace ever since there was a workplace. Right. And so now we're coming in saying, we're going to throw away the idea of surveys and try to revolutionize the way surveys are conducted, try to revolutionize the way you understand how employees feel in the workplace. I think that's how we stood out, is that we came in with this idea that was going against everything that the industry knows and believes, and it seemed like something that could actually work. Right? And we had sort of um, the data and the traction to prove that what we're doing actually could potentially work. And maybe it fails, Right, but the upside is that if it works, we change the workplace forever, yeah. and that's sort of what I think
0: was able to push us over the finish line and win the competition. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. You said a couple. You said several. Uh, made se- several excellent points there. One being, timing is yeah. important. There's been plenty of good ideas that have not been at the right time. Right. Uh, but executing uh, an employee engagement sort of data mining idea mm-hmm. right now in this sort of. Uh, in the climate that we live in is 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 rather important mm-hmm. also like there is quite a bit of disruption happening but that continues to need to happen in the survey space because people are opting into that survey they know they're responding to survey questions whereas it seems to me what, what work sense is doing is you're you're mining existing conversation for insight so it's the natural conversation that that exists mm-hmm. there's no um there's no notion that they that the the conversation is necessarily under review. It's just it's as the employees sort of naturally uh, communicate. And I kind of want to back out of this and not dive too deep into it <laughs> just yet because I want to get a bit into your background. Mm-hmm. But since you kind of you 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 brought this up, I am curious what sort of um, issues you see or how you work through the idea of employees, employ backlash against having their conversations mined, Mm -hmm. right, for data. I understand the benefit. I'm just curious about the sort of the backlash and concern with employees feeling like big brothers watching.
1: Honestly, that's one of the biggest, I think, problems and potential issues that we have thought about, that people have brought up, that we know will happen, right? And it's our our 80% of our conversations right now as we shift closer and closer to when we want to launch is how do we prevent that backlash because our platform is useless if we don't have those that conversational data right and mm-hmm. what we need to get the conversational data is employee buy-in yeah. and so uh, i think the way that we're thinking about this is right now we're telling employees to buy into a product that will provide value to their employers right that's what we're asking we're saying buying to this and we'll help your employers help you essentially so it's this like process before they even derive value from it, right? And even if we give their their employers the analytics, there's no sort of quote-unquote guarantee that the employees will take what we offer and use that to create a better workplace experience for uh, the employees. It's all just a good faith type thing right now. And so the idea is, okay, how do we provide instant value? That And this is how we think about it. How can we take the data we collect and provide instant value to employees? Because that just breaks down that wall of 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 uh of employee pushback when when you talk about data mining, right? Because you think about Facebook, everyone talks about how Facebook mines your data for ads, but everyone still uses Facebook, and that's because Facebook gives you instant gratification. You get the fee, you get the you get to see your friends on social media. You get to see everything that's happening, and no matter how many times you go yell to your friends about how Facebook is crappy because they they monitor your data and they collect your data in ways that. You don't like, you still go back and log into Facebook and
0: post on your wall and like your friend's picture. So so you're at Tufts right now, yeah, you're undergrad at Tufts. So are most you and your peers are on Facebook. Oh Yeah, I, I, yeah. Facebook is
1: probably my primary mode of communication with all my friends. We send memes, we tag ourselves, we make jokes, we post on our walls. Like it's, yeah. it's a Facebook is generally a very um, widely dispersed medium of communication at Tufts. Yeah. I can't speak for other schools, but right. at Tufts. Yeah.
0: yeah, cool. that's really interesting. All right, let's let's back out of the the work work sense weeds for the moment, mm. although very very interested to to learn more. So, let's talk about where you grew up and what drives you as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So, you grew up in Nigeria. Yep. And what where where in Nigeria? Uh, Lagos. Yeah. Yeah, and you spent 16 years there. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you have Talk to me about your family, yeah. siblings. Uh so I have an older sister,
1: an older brother who's about 18 months uh, older than me. So he's basically my twin. Um we grew up as twins, we'd wear the cool. same clothes until we had the ability
0: to say, Mom, we're not doing this anymore. We don't yeah. want to look the exact same. My brother I'm yeah. pointing out myself, my brother's nineteen months younger than me. <laughs> so I told. yeah, him that. yeah. sharing Jack yeah, and Yeah, after a while it was he
1: got old really quick. Yeah. Um and then I have a little brother who's uh, fourteen at the moment. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that's basically our family. Yeah. We had,
0: then of course, my mom and dad. Yeah. Nice. And were you, you left uh, Nigeria when you were 16? Mm-hmm. So you start, you were going to school in Nigeria. Were you, had you identified some uh, preparatory schools for college that were stateside that you wanted to go to? What was it that drew you to? Was it Maryland that you moved yeah. to first? I
1: mean, the, the, the idea behind Maryland was my sister. So basically, in my family, there was this. Um, cycle that everyone followed. It's like we we finish high school and then we move to the U.S. That the kid moves to the U.S. for college. My sister had done it. My older brother had done it. But by the time it was my turn, I think my parents were like, "Why do we have to wait till he finishes um, high school?" And I think based on my brother, my older brother, and my sister's experience, they realized that there might be some value in actually getting the high school high school experience in the U.S. before actually going to college. Okay. And so I moved a bit earlier than was typical for my family. Um, and because my sister was already based in Maryland, um, I just moved down to Maryland because I had that support system of my family. My brother was also going to school in Maryland. And so I just, like, it was the obvious choice to uh, sort of go find my route in Maryland. Yeah. So where in Maryland were you? Uh, Upper Marlboro. Upper
0: Marlboro. Right, I don't know that area. It's. Uh, How far is that from? From, from where D.C., is about 45 okay. minutes. Okay. Yeah. North? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's, where, that's where Maryland is. Uh, so what was it like g- going into high school so did you talk to your brother and sister about this i wonder for i mean for them they came right into the states and went to college mm-hmm. which was probably a bit of a culture shock but you came mid high school and then went into a american high school mm-hmm. was I, it a public high school yeah it was a public high school how was that i think it was Probably the
1: bigger culture shock because, I mean, in college you have the international students and so yeah, you have that yeah. like support system
0: of people from international backgrounds. But, this is all know. like local kids. Yeah, in yeah. high
1: school it's all local kids who yeah. grew up there. And so I just like came in, that kid. Who you could have been me. from
0: like two states over yeah. and you were going to be an outsider.
1: Exactly. Now from, I'm like, like a, half an world entire world continent away. Yeah. yeah. And so I I, I think I, I, I ended up finding my people there, but it took a while. Um I joined a couple clubs, I played a couple sports. And I think from doing that, I sort of became more immersed in like mm-hmm. the day-to-day activities of, of school. I I tried to stand out in classes. I would um, be super, super vocal in classes when the questions were asked, when things, when, when things need to be done, I would sort of put myself out there. I think that was just what I did. I just like made sure I put myself out there, right? Cause yeah. you have this situation where you're a newbie and you sort of just like stand back and don't want to be involved. But I was like super active about being involved. I knew I wanted to be a part of what was going on in high school. And I, I wanted to get that experience, right? If I was there, I, I was going to make the most of it. And so I was really passionate about like, I'm going to join the debate club. I'm going to play soccer. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be a part of the national Society, And I was just super involved in everything. And after a couple months, everyone knew who I was and I felt like I wasn't an outsider anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things I read in, in Lucy's story about, about your time at Tufts is that there's like a few black students for every 50 yeah toughs. well now, n- not every i don't know about every yeah, class specifically my interests your introduce class. class yeah so when you were when you joined that high school like what was the race background it was and, predominantly african-american like, it, it was probably a 98 percent, if i had to guess interesting yeah and um and what kind of like community was it like Socioeconomic. it was probably middle like,
1: middle class like, uh, a, like what, what did
0: what did family like what did families do for work
1: um, honestly, there were families that did like from things like construction to working at the
0: bank to. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. Like, kind of blue? Like, yeah. more, like a little bit more blue collar. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. it, it, it was seems like a good type of community to like once you got immersed and right, kind of right. get acclimated to the yeah, U.S. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, because I imagine, I mean, there's all types. That's a, that's the interesting thing about all places. Mm. Uh, but certainly, the United States is a lots of different types of environments you can be thrown into yeah yeah so it sounds like you got thrown into a good one yeah <laughs> yeah so so some of the friends that you met did was it two years that you did that high school yeah okay cool so you went and you did two years mm-hmm. there and then you have friends like that you feel like you, know, yeah, you still have, have now i it's have so friends from the guys still talked to you yesterday you feel like they'll be friends yeah. friends for yeah, life definitely that's awesome Yeah, cool cool and so talk to me about moving to boston and why you know why tufts and and what what drew you to this region mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, I think so. My my journey to Tulsa was a very interesting one, um, definitely very atypical. Um, so basically, the way my brother and sister had done their processes, where they just went to a state college, mm-hmm. right in Maryland, and when I was in high school, I I I sort of was that kid. I, I when I was thinking about college, I felt like there was more to offer. There was there was more I had to get than like a state school, but I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. and so I started to do my research like. What schools are out there? And I remember, like finding about MIT and knowing MIT was the thing. I was like, "Holy crap! This is a really good school. I would love to go here." And so I was like, "Okay, well, it's also expensive. I don't think I can afford to go to MIT." And then I started reading stories on like College Confidential about people saying, "Oh, I got a full ride to MIT." I was like, "What the full ride? This is a kid coming from Nigeria where like you pay for you pay for school, right? Yeah. If you can't afford it, that's it." Yeah. Um. There's no like financial aid or like loans or anything. Yeah. I was like, a full ride. What's, what, what does that mean? And so I started to do research and discovered the. Massive world of scholarships. Yeah. Um, and then my counselor told me about this scholarship called the Posse Scholarship, which is essentially they pick like a group of students to go to a school together, and so they're like a Posse at that school. Oh, cool. Yes, yeah, it was super cool. And then as I was researching that, I found out someone was comparing Posse to Questbridge.
0: Okay. Um, and
1: Questbridge is um the scholarship that gives you a full ride to a four year college. Yeah. Um, and so. I, I immediately decided that QuestBridge was a much better opportunity because I thought the caliber of schools that it offered was much better. And so I applied to QuestBridge, became a finalist. Um, I ranked. I had to rank, I had to give them 12 schools that I was interested in. Um, funny enough, Tufts was like the last school I put on the list. I mean, this was because I had a conversation with my math teacher and she was like, Tufts is a great school. I was like, where is, where is Tufts? I don't know what Tufts is. Yeah. And then I really I saw that Tufts was super close to the Boston area. I started looking to Tufts, looking at alumni, looking at courses they offered. I was like, okay. When you I start can, looking at
0: the alumni and yeah, the, the exits that yeah, exactly. entrepreneurs from Tufts yeah, have had, yeah. and you're like, like, oh, okay.
1: Okay, <laughs> this, this could be a place that I could go. And so I, I, I put Tufts on my list, and Tufts was the only school on that list that I got into. Okay. And so um, immediately I started to say, I started to imagine myself at Tufts and like started yeah, to think yeah, about yeah. How, would, how I would experience Tufts. And I remember... That first day on campus, just like being in Boston for the first time and seeing the Tufts like environment for the first time, it all seems so massive and big. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like home. Like whenever I go back home, when I come back, I feel more like coming home than when I leave to go to my actual home, right? Coming to Tufts feels like home where I belong. Nice. That's sort of
0: that was sort of the journey coming here. Oh, that's really cool. So are you so I spent some time living in Somerville mm. and, and Medford as well, like on both sides of the Tufts, Tufts campus. Are you living on campus? Are you off campus? I'm off
1: campus in the Somerville area. Nice.
0: Yeah. Like over by Davis? Yeah.
1: Well, not by Davis. Yeah. Um, It's about 10 minutes away yeah. from Davis. It's nice. definitely
0: closer to Davis than Medford yeah. is. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And uh, and you still have your junior? You have one yeah, year I have left? One full year left. Yeah. So how is it? Yeah, it's... Being an entrepreneur <laughs> that is a co-founder of a now, like, thri- like, for this stage that your company is at, mm-hmm. like I'll say it for you, like I'd say a thriving startup. You just went and beat out a stiff competition at South by. How is it being juggling that with being a student? I mean, even even I asked you before we went live, how was mm-hmm. your time in Austin? And yeah. you said it was well, it was short lived. I was there for a day. I had to get back for midterms. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how is the juggling? act? I think.
1: The advantage I have in terms of juggling it is that very early on, I came to terms with the fact that having like a 3.9, 3.8 is probably not, I mean, maybe it's attainable for some people, but as far as I stand, it's not attainable for for myself because of how much I put into WorkSense. Like yeah. last night, I was my goal was, okay, I have a midterm next week, I need to start studying, I need to study like two yeah. chapters. I ended up like applying to a couple, a couple like competitions and summer fellowships for WorkSense. And so... I think i realized early on that it's very hard for me to separate work sense from my life like i if i run into an opportunity i would apply for it on the spot versus studying mm-hmm. and so i just set my a goal for myself saying okay i want to leave college with a gpa at this threshold yeah. and as long as i'm within that threshold i will put in the minimal effort required to maintain that threshold yeah. and put in every other part of my time on work sense. Yeah. and my friends like laugh about this but literally like every time they see me at the library and they ask what I'm doing I'm probably working on like a slide deck for a competition or like yeah. reaching out to someone for work sense or sending emails right yeah. and so I just like end up spending the majority of my time on work sense but knowing that I have to maintain that threshold as long as everything within that threshold grades wise I'm okay with it
0: yeah cool uh, how's how are your how's your support how's the support structure at Tufts and how like what's your support structure like at Tufts and how open and flexible are they to giving you a bit of the flexibility that you need to run a business because i mean i from my from an outsider's perspective not that far outside but yeah. i've lived there and gone to school on the other side of the at pu uh, i've definitely admired over the years and have a couple buddies in particular that have had really strong exits that went to tufts and Seems to me it ultimately benefits Tufts that strong young entrepreneurs like yourself go through Tufts and have hopefully several cool exits and thriving careers. Is that what it's like for you as an undergrad? Do you feel like you're given some cushion? Do you get flexible deadlines or like what? You know, talk to me a bit about the support structure i mean in terms of how
1: classes work it's pretty much the same as every other student i think definitely the people who come out of tufts doing pretty well with their companies are people who have learned over time how to balance things um there's no like special accommodation for people running companies i mean there's this class that tufts offers now where it's like you get you get a a couple credits for it and it's essentially you just working on your startup um in the ls department Um, and so that's the only sort of quote-unquote cushion that i know exists but besides that you're you're considered the same as every other kid Mm -hmm. who goes to tufts
0: Mm -hmm. yeah okay that's that's interesting yeah i mean i i guess i would expect that to be the answer but i i also could see that maybe needing to change over Mm -hmm. time um because what's the alternative if you really needed more time for work since you'd have to Drop yeah, up. and I. <laughs> what you don't want to do. Yeah, I've
1: I've been told by like at least four last year last summer when I was in my Ash Challenge, uh, I was talking to the director of the program. We we're just like having a brand mm-hmm. like a very casual conversation. I was like, yeah, if this goes big, you should drop it. I was like, yeah, my mom will cut off my head. Yeah. Before letting me drop it for any reason, and so right. I, it's like I just I, I've been stuck in that phase where I will want work sense to grow, but I'm also subconsciously subconsciously trying to put this ceiling on it so it doesn't go out of hand to the point where i can't control it anymore and have to drop out because i think from my background especially growing up in africa like education is such a big deal Mm -hmm. um and so it's just like my own it's, it's it's my thank you to my parents to everyone that's like been a part of my life and my family saying i'm going to do this for you all and for myself i'm going to finish college and get that degree and then i want to have the freedom to do whatever i want it's like that exchange right if i if i can be college then i don't have to go work for someone else i want to do what i want to do and i don't want yeah. to hear any complaints
0: yeah big uh, one of the themes of this podcast has been you can create your own happiness yeah and so you I've, i don't mean this in a condescending way i mean i'm very impressed by you you're a very um, impressive young man appreciate that and your parents must be proud and sure will be proud to hear this podcast <laughs> uh, one of the things that You had mentioned in sort of the pre-interview, we did a little Q and A that will be up on on the site later. You talked about your mom, Mm -hmm. and sort of over time, you've like it's dawned on you more and more that. And you just mentioned her too. You said your mom would cut your head off, yeah. And like you know, it seems like she's helped give you like a strong north star, and both your parents have it. Talk to me a bit about your mom and like the entrepreneurial drive that she showed you growing Mm -hmm. up. Sounds like sounds like quite the impressive human
1: yeah I mean I, I think so when I talk about my mom and
0: entrepreneurship I think
1: there's two things that I like to address as, as I start thinking about this more and more it's so first of all I never attributed the entrepreneurship drive that I have to her it's just one of those things that was I look back and was like oh that is a strong explanation for why I'm entrepreneurial right because back in Nigeria she ran a microfinance bank with her brother while also owning her own like fashion boutique and so she was definitely just like that person that loved to create things with her hands um loved to create things that belonged to her and then second of all as a kid I, I remember very very uh so many times where we would need something and she would figure out how to get it done right my mom was like we my mom was that person that if i needed something she'd make it happen no matter what it took right and that's exactly what startup is like right if you need you need to do something. You go figure out how to make it happen, right? And so I think those two qualities of my mom, where she, I would have a problem and she'd make it go away. She'd fix it. She'd figure out how to fix it, and just wanted to create things that belonged to her that were in her name. I think those two things are things I subconsciously just like
0: um, took from her growing up. That's cool. That's the sort of stuff that I want to instill in my daughter. Yeah. She's she's twenty months now, but you can never start too early. Um, <laughs> John Oliver last week tonight had a good bit, like a few weeks ago, like talking to young children, just like he had them like repeating these lines that was essentially telling them to if you don't want to be if you if you don't want to be replaced by a robot someday, just wake up every day with being prepared to take on a unique challenge that requires a new unique solution. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, yeah, you can't you can. you're always yeah. going to be. In demand, and you'll and you're always going to be successful, yeah, yeah. and you're all and you can always sort of be consistently creating, mm-hmm. um, a, you know, a progression of your happiness. So that's why entrepreneurship and innovation and young innovators like yourself, sort of inspiring like your peers and the next the next um, group of entrepreneurs that will come through Boston is is so important. I think. More and more, I think it's really valuable to have folks like yourself also sort of turning back. It's twenty one one's not too old to look backwards at your high school in Maryland yeah. and maybe go back and and talk to students there and say, hey, like here, here's here's what I've learned. Here's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of on that strange thought, curious about your. A sense of any responsibility or passion that you have to kind of give back to community and and share because as you know like you're from uh, a, a totally different continent as you said um, and your big answer at the end of the pre interview Q&A was sort of was around um, like access to resources and that struck a chord with me because I'm increasingly looking to direct my attention back in the area I grew up in, with where there there seems to be more and more lost young lost souls. Mm-hmm. and well, damn if I'm not going to spend some of my time yeah. intentionally trying to help young people know there's pathways they can be unorthodox that exist to climb rings of the ladder and have a more mm-hmm. uh, successful, uh, prosperous life. So with that monologue, um, <laughs> thoughts on that sort of responsibility that you already feel at 21 and like i don't want to be like leading you with the question you you actually seem to be resonating with it like right away uh curious where that fits into how you're already thinking and 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 what um you know what your thoughts are there
1: that's 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 a very interesting question especially because um in the past year year and a half i've sort of been trying to connect more to Africa and back home, because I think after I left, I sort of shut away that part of, my, of, of myself and just went head into trying to get the most out of the U.S. as possible. Mm-hmm. And so now I've sort of been trying to think about how, how to give back to that place that I spent 16 years of my life mm-hmm. at, right? It's a very formative period of my life. And something I've been thinking a lot about is, especially uh, tech and innovation, I remember one of my economics classes, my professor was talking about how technology is one of the only um, sort of things that can provide true exponential economical growth mm-hmm. uh, for your for economies. And I think that really struck a chord with me thinking about how to get back to Africa and back to Nigeria and back home because I've I've been fortunate enough to be to find myself super embedded in tech and entrepreneurship and venture capital in Boston as much as I can as a 21 year old. And something that I really think a lot about is how, it is, and something that I know I really wanna go back to do is after I'm done sort of satisfying my own personal goals for for sense and my own startup goals, venture capital goals in the U.S., I really want to go back home and spend my time really trying to give the youth something that they can give the youth really the ability to, to do what they want, right? I mentioned a while back about how, like, college in Nigeria, if you don't have the money to go to school, that's it, right? And everyone thinks school, college is the only option, but it's really not the only mm-hmm. option, right? If you, if, if you go back home and you talk to 17, 18, 19-year-olds, there are people back home with these crazy ideas, right? Who want to do something ridiculous, who want to change the world, but they just don't have access to financial capital, right? They can barely eat three meals a day, and so they can't afford to bring those ideas out of the ground. And so something I've been thinking a lot about is I've been seeing a lot of African um, startups coming to programs like YC, 500 Startups, and it's hard to, first of all, know about that if you're in Africa, right? I never knew about just anything. Just the knowledge. Yeah, just the knowledge yeah. just yeah. not there, yeah. right? And then beating out the competition, among those who know, it's just super hard, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, can we create things like YC, like mass challenge, like five hundred stars back home, Something locally, that, back, locally back yeah, home, right? Yeah. Can we create these programs that I can permeate it. society the way YC has permeated startup society in the US, right? Yeah. Something that anyone who has an idea knows. Okay, I can go apply to Nigeria wife Nigeria's YC, for example. They yeah. know that it exists, and they know that that opportunity exists. They know that the only barrier to them and their service success its coming up with th- something that can change the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the U.S. is right now. If you have this crazy idea, you apply to YC, you get in, You get 120K access to VCs. That doesn't exist in Africa and Nigeria. And can we take these models and take them back home, replicate them, and tr- provide something that kids can say, okay, I grew up in poverty, but I can still be successful, mm-hmm. right? It's like I grew up here, but my where I grew up does not have control over where I end up. And that's something that I really want to go back home to do is really creating that access to resources, financial capital, network that can take someone from ground negative 5 to 120.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Do that and uh share it with me and people you meet mm-hmm. along the way of that journey and like minds will s- support and participate. That's really cool. That, those you. are those are great intentions to share. And the type of you know the type of initiative or initiatives you're talking about sort of you know knowledge transfer just the knowledge transfer first you know maybe could be the first step you know the capital and the local mass challenge yc type programs like if, if you build the beginning you know if you build it they will come mm-hmm. you know if you, if you if you um just in the beginning even you know the, the old eighty twenty rule maybe you know you're a student now so the eighty twenty 20 rules almost can't apply to you just yet <laughs> But, you know you can start to take like 20 percent of your time and really intentionally focus on just creating that like knowledge transfer like loop where you're communicating back to to africa and hopefully communicating these intentions to like minds here stateside in boston and you have a successful exit with WorkSense sense and or something else uh, and you start to get your own capital and your own strength you'll maybe be able to flip that 80 20 and you mm-hmm. can be uh perhaps your startup number two or three can be some sort of uh, organization that actually helps shepherd and, and broker and facilitate the migration of all of these tech um, and entrepreneurship enablement systems here to Africa. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you, know, you, met, you talk about big ideas. like that. What you're talking about is really beautiful big ideas that really will just come down to communicating with like minds like you just boil it down to the simple stuff and that's that's really neat and I, and this is that's one of the reasons i i hope we'll stay in touch because yeah. i'd love to keep, keep keep tabs on the progress yeah. of, of some of that stuff because that that could be that certainly is a bigger opportunity i think you agree than work sense or or any one-off yeah, startup yeah, that you yeah, might start 100 percent. yeah what you're talking about there is is really, it's it's the really impact cool. is ridiculous yeah and hey, you may not someday, but if you do have a child someday, I will tell you when you have a kid, now that I have a child, you start thinking about sort of generational responsibility to your, like, because you have a child. Mm-hmm. Like, you think about it now, like, oh, young people, I want to leave the world a better place. When you have a child, you start thinking like that, this passion you already have at 21, which is amazing, by the way, it will go exponentially higher. And you're going to get that much more driven. To do things that make sure that the world you leave is better for your children. So, enjoy the ride. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs> yeah. Um, so, what, um what's, what's up with work since moving forward? Are you, you still have a whole year left of school, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate. Your mindfulness in in stating that you're trying not to, you didn't say this specifically, but what I gathered is you're trying to walk before you run Mm -hmm. because you can't quite run yet. Yeah, Yeah. But where are you at? Like, where's the product? What's the team right now? And like, what does the next year look like? And ideally, what does the next year look like as you go into next summer, a year from now, as a graduate of Tufts? with a pretty solid GPA, and your mom and dad super stoked, yeah. like, what does what is, what is the next year or year plus look like for WorkSense ideal scenario?
1: It's, it's, I mean, that, it's great you asked that because um, I, 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 I'm a kind of guy who likes to plan a lot, and so it's something I've been, like, I've been writing a lot about, and just trying to document my thoughts and how I feel about things. And so, um, so where we are right now, we are sort of finishing up product development for sort of V1. Um, it's not particularly where I want things to be, but I think uh, going back to what you said about walking before you run, it's it's sort of a great place to to, to be and sort of to test out whether the things that we have said that make people believe in us, whether they actually work in the real world, right? Because we've talked to employees, we've talked to employers, we've told them what we're working on, they've had very positive feedback now we want to put, in, put it in their hands and have them play with it, right? What goes right, what goes wrong? Can we replicate what goes right? Can we sort of cut, cut away what goes wrong? And so our plan for the summer really is to take V1 and put it in the hands of as many people as we can. Small companies, mid-sized companies, large companies, anyone that'll take it, right? Just have them play with it, have them use it, see what value they wrap out of it, see what works, see what doesn't work, and then take that, those learnings from the summer, spend the rest of senior developing, trying to create a V2, and trying to raise some capital right before we graduate so we can go full steam. Um in terms of the capital raising aspect of things, I've been particular so I've i read a lot about how you should develop relationships with VCs before you raise before you tend to raise money. I've always thought well how do how do you do that? Like that's such a an easy thing to say, yeah. but like how does one go about doing that? Right. But I've actually discovered that it's 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 really easier than one thinks, right? It's 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 as easy as shooting someone an email saying, hey, I'm working on this thing. I would love to hear your thoughts i'm I'm doing this thing I know you've you've invested in a couple of companies that do X, y Z. What do you think about this? Yeah. and I've started to, to to sort of develop these like relatively strong relationships with a couple of v c firms that I think that once we're ready to raise money, we'll make the conversation about raising money a lot easier because we've dealt this connection. they know who we are. they know what we're working on. they know where we've come from. they know how much effort we've put into getting from point A to point B and so i I'm sort of seeing where we're going and trying to put the step the stepping stones in place before we actually need to cross those bridges mm-hmm. um, because i think those bridges don't, th- those bridges so essentially think of it like the way I think about it is that there's this chasm and we need to go from here to here and there's this wide hole there right but we can't just jump across the hole right and so i'm sort of trying to create that bridge so that by the time we're ready to go from from one side of that chasm to the other that bridge exists yeah and so that's essentially what i'm doing that's where my head is Um, Team-wise, it's myself, my co-founder, Kevin Destin, who, by the way, is ridiculously great, right? If I ask for something to be done in five days, it happens in three days. He's the kind of guy you want working on something as technical as what we're working on. Um, However, there are still definitely gaps and holes in our team sort of expertise. Um, So we're looking, right now, we're sort of talking to a couple um, front-end designers trying to bring a UI UX person that can handle a lot of the front-end and trying to bring out someone uh, with a data science um, background. We're talking to this kid out of UPenn. We' conversations, but um, it's just one of the things we're doing, and the idea is just we want to have this very rounded-out team by the time we're ready to sort of graduate so that we can all just collectively go full of steam and just move fast and break things. Yes. Um, but, but, but I, do, I do think that we have some time um, before we really before things get crazy, yeah. and my sort of goal is to do as much as, as I can before that time comes. Um, and just I've been very focused on building relationships right now. It's like networking a lot, talking to people a lot, really gathering that community that will yeah. help us out once we are ready to sort of dive into work sense full
0: time. I love that. I want to actually want to double click on that. And you know, one thing that's come up on the podcast with a few different people. Um, we'll have a podcast coming out soon with uh, with Shri, the editor of Bostono, mm-hmm. and. She talked about this. Lucy Maffei, who's now over at Boston Business Journal as a tech writer, talked about this. But the um, the pay it forward sort of like mentorship aspect of the Boston tech community is unique, mm-hmm. as per people other than me saying it, <laughs> yes, because I know it's true. Um, and it's much different than the Valley. Like you, you, it's difficult to email a VC in the Valley just for feedback on an idea, but in Boston, it's it's unique in that vcs and entrepreneurs and angels will write you back and Mm -hmm. meet with you for coffee and give you feedback and and we'll build those relationships um so just to kind of stay in that lane for a second is it boston vcs that you're reaching out to where are the vcs you're reaching out to um and are you utilizing the Sort of Boston innovation network in in building this connective tissue, and I imagine you're probably also looking at industry participants that maybe would be particularly advantageous to WorkSense, which may or may not be in Boston. Uh, but who are some of the companies and VCs and sort of mentors that you're seeking out right now?
1: I mean, I, I think so. There, there are sort of three categories of people that I've been sort of reaching out to, and I've been I've been trying to be as strategic with things as possible. So uh, there's 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 bucket one right. I am a Nigerian immigrant, so I've sort of been looking at VCs that have a particular interest in immigrant founders. It's no news to you that immigrant founders are, are immigrant founders found have founded some of the biggest companies in the U.S. Right, Tesla, eBay. These are all kids who were immigrants, right? And so there's a couple VCs. Unshackled is one out in uh, California that has a specific focus on immigrant founders. One Ventures, I interned with them last summer, also has this intense focus. Which one's that? One Way Ventures. Where are they? Uh, They're out in Boston Financial District. Okay. Yeah, so they're super interested. Their whole thesis is investing in immigrant founders. And so those are two connections there. I've been speaking with an investor from Jack Gold um, for Ben, just not not even in a fundraising capability, just like I want to hear what you think about what we're working on, right? And so she's been super helpful in providing just some feedback. Uh, So that's bucket one. Bucket two is investors who have who believe in the ability of young founders. Um, so a contract capital, which I work for um, at the moment, is super specific about who they invest in. They invest yeah. in university-focused entrepreneurs. So we're talking kids about to graduate or recent grads, right? And so they're super intense about how well they focus on on, on, on companies founded by young people who have nothing to lose and just are ready to give it all it takes, right? And so. That's, that's one VC that falls to that bucket. There's also um, underscore VC that does a lot of stuff with university entrepreneurs. They have the U First program that they do. They try to involve a lot of... They have the, uh, the conference they do every year where they bring a lot of the up-and-coming uh, technolog- young technologists in the Boston area. And so those are two investors that fall into that bucket. And then there's sort of the third bucket of, I'm an African-American, right? There's, they, they, right now, there have, they have been sort of this huge upsurge in awareness of how how little there are of people of color in entrepreneurship and in um, venture capital mm-hmm. and just the entire startup ecosystem as a whole and someone I know who's doing great things in this space, Arlen, Hamil- Arlen Hamilton with Backstage Capital. She's someone that I've sort of been watching from a distance and been sort of um, trying to figure out the best time to say hi, how's it sure. going, yeah. um, this is what I'm working on, but that's just another bucket of um, investors yeah. that I'm looking in. So yeah. it's just trying to take what defines me as an entrepreneur and using that to find investors who are interested in what defines me as an entrepreneur. My, my age, my background, my skin color, yeah. uh, my experiences, right? Just trying to find people who, who believe in what makes me, me. That's yeah. sort of been my approach.
0: That's smart. That's really smart. And I, as someone who has taken a lot of leaps of faith in, emailing mm-hmm. folks that I admire from afar and sometimes they get back and sometimes they don't. It's the worst that can happen. Yeah. Right. So keep keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So um is there anything else that you you know there's I, I'm trying to think of the different sort of community. You know, when you think of like a like a podcast, there's there's only uh, there's like small communities of listeners. There's like the loyal fan base of Boston Speaks Up, but then there's like the communities around you, Timmy, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like your your schoolmates, your you know the maybe some of the mentors that you've you've uh, been speaking to or you're seeking out, and um, certainly other young entrepreneurs in the city. I think this is a particularly and certainly young entrepreneurs of color mm-hmm. in the city. I think this is an important podcast for them to listen to and just. Things you're thinking about and you know hopefully one thing i always say is and it, it's probably easy enough to contact timmy but if anyone ever needs to contact boston speaks up to contact someone like timmy like my hope is that you know there can be some community built around um or, or some community building sort of facilitation through having this conversation and sharing it with the community what haven't we discussed or, or what other things um, you know about you that would would you like to share or like in considering in being the mindful young man that you are, in considering all the constituents I just outlined, is there any you know what what would you like to leave people with? you know if it was like one thing where it's like hey if you if you see me on the street or if if um you know if we run you know if we run into each other at at, at a Boston meetup, um, you know what's the What's the rally cry? I guess um, that you want people to sort of know you by, it, and and it can be as simple as you know. I'll tell you, my, like mine is, I, I really do just want to meet like like minds that mm. want to leave the world a better place when they leave it, and um, and so it can be as simple as that. But sorry for such a long winded yeah, answer, no but yeah, that's you know just trying to help give you like an overview of, of how I'm thinking about, yeah, what else, what else haven't we talked about or what is, what is something that you'd like to sort of share with everyone uh, before I mean, we wrap?
1: I think there's probably like, there's, there's two sort of questions in that. It's like yeah. one thing that we haven't discussed and then it's just like, what, why would people remember me by quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and so the first one, essentially, I think I, 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 I like to make sure that I share how sense came about because I think a lot of times, and a question I've gotten a lot of times is, well, how do you start a company? Like, what what do you do? How how do you start it? And I, I think I I would love to share just how we got from how I got from a kid at Tufts to a kid who is yeah. trying to run a startup while also in college. Um, and that's so, great, and we got all
0: the time in the world. So yeah, actually, let yeah, so talk, talk to me about the, the finding of the story. The finding what, of
1: what happened was I I came into Tufts strong CS interests from. Going to hackathons in high school, mm-hmm. um, I knew CS was what I wanted to do. I started taking CS classes, realized that I felt a little out of place. Not not out of place enough that I was going to not do CS, but just like, oh, okay, this exists.
0: Yeah. And for those out there that don't know, CS is computer science. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, and so just 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 I was aware of it, right? Not necessarily feeling like I was displaced as a result, but uh-huh. just aware. Yeah. And then my uh, my little brother started getting into computer science. I was. I was I was definitely like a push, one of the people who pushed him to go into it. But he started to show interest, and he would send me text messages on Facebook saying, "Hey, I'm working on this. How do you fix X Y Z error?" And I would try my best to explain. And the fact that he also started to show this interest made me feel like I didn't want like I didn't want him to come into computer science, going to college, or going to a hackathon and feeling out of place. And so I started to think about how to. Address this problem, right? Because now it, it it had it had grown beyond just myself, but it had grown into okay. My little brother, who I care a lot about, is also having this. It, it could also run into this issue, right? And if I if I feel that way about him, then think about all the other kids mm-hmm. who are coming up, who are interested in CS, who potentially could run to this problem and decide to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking about how to help solve this problem, and I started working on a boot camp with a friend that would essentially bring high schoolers from around the country. Bring them to a college campus, teach them how to code, and then get them an internship with a tech company the summer after. Great. We ran with that for a bit. We talked to a couple companies that showed interest. We had about two companies lined up to give internships, and we just all we had to do was run the summer program once and then send them over to those companies for the internships. Um, but then we started to think, okay, why why do these companies, why would these companies be interested in these kids, right? What is the financial well, what's what's the value derived for them, like right, besides just the social good uh, of things, right? And so we realized, okay, it's because these companies know that by giving these kids an internship in high school, there's a potential these kids will return during their college experiences are after college for a full-time job. But then if you think about it, there's such a long period of time. It's like a close to an eight-year gap right, yeah. between that first point of contact and the end product. And so we started to go, okay, okay how, do we, how do we shorten that timeline? right? And so we started to, we started to shift into a diversity-recruiting uh, company that would sort of curate this... Um, database of minority students studying computer science or tech and other tangentially-related fields in design, product management, what have you, and get them internships and full-time jobs at tech companies. Cool. And wow. we, we felt really good about that. But then I, I stumbled upon just some late-night Googling. I stumbled upon this research paper done by Kapoor Center. Uh, they they uh, surveyed over 2,000 people of color, people from minority backgrounds. And the essential overview that that research came out with is that these people are having shitty and crappy workplace experiences mm-hmm. and that's a real diversity problem it turns out it's not a pipeline problem but it's that the workplace just does not cater
0: so there's a people of color that got jobs people of color minorities minorities yeah. minorities who got jobs yeah and they, so they have, forget forget the pipeline issue right. oh we got, jobs. we got the jobs we're just facing like you know Issues like whether it be just discrimination and maybe not even overt, maybe subtle. Yep. And you just know, like these, like racism, generally, generally
1: yeah. crappy and shitty experiences, yeah. and then they say fuck it and they leave, right? Yeah. And because they leave, they just swear off the tech sector entirely because they've had these crappy experiences. And so it's not necessarily that the there's no one coming in the pipeline; the pipeline itself is so leaky, right? Hmm. People come in, they just fall out, right? And so we started thinking, about, okay, how do we how do we clog up this leak in the pipe? And so we shifted in. That's how we started thinking about. Workplace experience. That was our first sort of intro into experiences at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started thinking, okay, can we use pulse surveys? It's been done, it's failing. Can we, what else can we do, right? And so during that time, we also realized that, okay, minorities are such, when you think about minorities, you think about people of color, you think about females, you think about LGBTQs, right? But then there's people who are veterans, there's Asian individuals, there's people who just had a kid, there's pregnant mothers, there's all these Small subgroups of people that have completely different experiences in the workplace that need sort of targeted attention, quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. They, need, they need sort of, quote unquote, special treatment, right? If you're a pregnant mother, you want, you want to have lunch like, I don't know, five times a day. I don't know how pregnancy works. Mm-hmm. If you just had a kid, you want to go home early to go take care of your kid, right? You want a long maternity leave. There's all these little nuances here and there that are dependent on who you are as a person. Right, and who, what are your experiences You're are. You're
0: talking about like personalizing the workplace. Right, so it's
1: yeah. like, and then we started thinking about, okay,
0: it, 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 it's- To making it more welcoming and supportive and to, supported to that unique individual. Exactly,
1: but then the problem is that there's just so many unique qualities that it's hard to create curated experiences for each unique subset, mm-hmm. and that's how we got into, okay, how do we create a great workplace experience for anyone, regardless of who they are?
0: Mm-hmm. And that was
1: sort of the genesis of WorkSense, and thinking about, okay, how do we empower organizations to improve the workplace experiences of their employees? And that's how we say, okay, how can we cut off the entire idea of surveys in the sense that they are these days? How can we sort of personalize it based on who you are and how you communicate in the workplace over tools like Slack and, and, and I don't know, Asana, Trello, Basecamp, the tools mm-hmm. you use in the workplace? And that's sort of how WorkSense was born. Yeah. So then from that whole diversity thing to everyone just deserves to not have a crappy experience at work because you spent, I don't know, half your time as, as an individ- as a human being. Once you graduate college, you spend I don't know, half your time at
0: work, it's only fair that you should enjoy work. So thank you for all that, and it, like I have one, one immediate question is it's kind of back to one of my initial questions on WorkSense, which is kind of aggregate anonymized data versus like PII, like personally identifiable data. And obviously we're talking about the importance of like unique individuals getting unique care. Mm -hmm. But I think you were like very thoughtful in communicating like where you're netting out on work sense seems to be like just creating a better work environment that has is considerate to all types. So talk to me a little bit about that consideration you're making when it comes to analyzing conversation and deducing findings. Are you, is the goal, is one of the goals of WorkSense to discover personally identifiable like specific insights about individuals in the workplace and or discover findings in aggregate and apply apply findings?
1: That's a great question. So I think what our goal is, is we want to start out with this like aggregate finding and understanding how things work generally. but. I think
0: it's a smart initial for focus. Right, yeah. because it's, it's so hard to personalize.
1: But going forward, I think one of our long-term goals is, one of the problems with surveys is that they're sort of one size fits all, right? yeah. And So going forward, something that we're sort of thinking about is, can we personalize surveys? Can we look at the conversations you've had on Slack over a, over a specific amount of time and realize, okay, there's this specific issue that bothers you as a person? And so we have this automated system that sends out surveys based on that topic and gets your responses, right? And then we can find other people on Slack who have communicated similar problems or issues in the workplace and go survey them as well, right? And then we can aggregate those answers, but it's still personalized based on your specific specific experiences and their specific experiences, right? And so the idea is we want to sort of make things more personalized because this idea of one size fits all is absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If you think about the kinds of how the workplace is right it's like people from i don't know at facebook for example it's people from germany russia grew up in nigeria grew up in boston grew up everywhere around the country and asking just thinking that you can send a survey of a couple of questions that works for everyone is absurd wow. right? and that's the entire idea is that personalizing these the,
0: the way you monitor these things is sort of the way to go that's really interesting so am i hearing you right in that this becomes sort of the front line to, for discovery. But you don't have to throw you don't even necessarily have to throw surveys out altogether, but this mining can help inform exactly. personalized survey questions to help engage exactly. Yeah. Proactively engage.
1: Yep. So it's like this, we we need to we need to figure out yeah. the aggregate things to be able to figure out the personalized aspect of things. Yeah. And that's sort of why we're starting there. Is that once cool. we figure out how to use the aggregate data we collect, we can sort of figure out, okay, now we understand the value that organizations derive from this aggregate analytics that we provide. And we can break down those aggregate analytics to sort of minute personalized um, information that we can use to target surveys towards specific individuals in the workplace and understand how these smaller subgroups are reacting to different events and topics in the workplace.
0: That's awesome and I love your passion for it. Like Thank keep you. keep it going. So back to that and to that second question. Yeah. Talk to me about and maybe another way to think about it like talk to me about your the legacy that you want to leave and the imprint you want to leave mm. in this world and how you want people to think of, of you and your sort of position vis-a-vis humanity?
1: That's a very hard question. It's heady. <laughs> I know it's heady. Uh, I, I, I think when I, when I think about that, what I a lot of times what I, what, I, what I default to is I just want to make a change, right? And that goes from the scale of the workplace, which is a massive skill, given that everyone has a job, to something as small as you're working on something you think I have value to provide to you, maybe from my network, maybe from my advice, and I would love to do that, right? I, I wanna be that person who can who can help increment others. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Whether it's from one to N or zero to one, right? I just wanna be able to help increment others.
0: Yeah, you wanna help pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the idea you outlined with Transferring knowledge back to Africa and certainly specifically in Nigeria mm. and perhaps helping build a pipeline That hopefully isn't leaky yeah. <laughs> um, and You know shepherding like programs like YC and mass mm. challenge in the in, Increasingly in the, in the direction of Africa and, and sort of stateside continent side in Africa would be um, Is a really beautiful uh, Purpose and uh appreciate you sharing that with everyone. Timmy, this has been great. Yeah, same here. Yeah, thank you very much. Of course. Thanks for joining and uh had a good time. Yeah. Cheers, Boston.
1: How did you want Ezra?